Father, we pray that you will speak to us through the power of your Spirit this morning. We pray that we may fellowship together in your word, in the love of your Son, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done for us. We praise you. And Lord, will you just speak to each of our hearts this morning through your precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to read a few verses from Matthew 5. the young people leave us. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he had seated when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're going to leave it there because that's where I'm up to in this particular series. And um, by way of explanation... I just want to talk just for a little while about blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I know this scripture will apply to the second coming of the Lord, but I want to take it, if I may, from um, a practical, everyday perspective. If you want to confirm it and go through it in relation to the messianic uh, prophetic element of it and you can look at Isaiah 61 or Revelation 21.4 but I want to think in terms of the way that for instance Martha spoke to Jesus and said Lord, if my brother had been here, he, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. John 11, you remember that? So, what she's saying is that if the Lord had arrived in time, all would have been well. And Jesus said to her, well, your, bro your brother will rise again. And she replied, I know he'll rise again on the last day. So what she's thinking is, yes, I know that you have told us about resurrection and so on. I know it's all going to happen one day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And the thing that really I'm bringing out here is that although what she was saying is absolutely true, they will rise on the last day, there's also an application for the, for the permanent 
moment. Well, not that we can't. Moment can't be permanent, can it? But for the, for the moment. And um, so he's saying to her, "I am the resurrection and the life." And he's saying that you know you've got to really what you've got to do is realize that what you're saying is true, but also I can do it now as well. And this is the way I want to look at this, this scripture. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because those who mourn will be comforted who are the Lord's in the hereafter. But also, he is our saviour now. He is the Lord now. So when I was reading this, and by way of introduction, I just want to go through some of my thoughts just reading these verses and uh, thinking about them. I'm just questioning myself. Do I mourn or do I excuse my sins? Do I excuse the sins I commit or do I mourn about them? It's easy to find reasons why one's behaviour, when it's bad, happens, isn't it? It's easier to make, easy to make excuses about one's behaviour. However, that's besides the point, really. The point I have uh, to think about, to come to terms with, is this. Do I stand in the need of forgiveness? If so, I need to take it to the Lord in prayer, don't I, as the old song says. The need is to see the matter as God sees it, isn't it? It's easy to make excuses for our sins, but the real need is to see things as God sees them. Not as I see them, because I will put my own spin on anything that I do wrong if I'm left to myself. I want to see things as he sees them. I may not be able to induce myself to feel the matter in my emotions as I should, or as I would like to. But I can mourn the lack of feeling, can't I, first of all? That's my first act of mourning. And of course, mourn the sin for which I have in truth caused Christ to bear. Do you think of it like that? Think of that. When we sin, if we say, I have in truth caused Christ to bear that sin, it makes it real, doesn't it? Certainly does for me. 
he said, well, where do we back that up? Well, we, we don't, I'm not going to read it, but you, you all know 1 Peter 2.24. He bore our sins in his body in the tree. On the tree, rather. If I do that, and also mourn society, society of which I am part, because of its godlessness, I mourn my own sins and mourn the society for which I am part because of its godlessness. I will have a close walk with God. Do you believe that? Even Lot, and he wasn't exactly a great role model, but he was offended by the way society was around him. And Peter calls him righteous, doesn't he? Well, if, if, if he can do that, surely we can, who know the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to realise that we need to step apart from that. And how can we do that? Well, mourning is part of that. Because we're all part of the society. We can't just say, that's them. Especially those of us who were converted when we were older. We were part of it. I was part of that until I was 31. I'll have a close walk with God if I do that and will know his comfort. For those who mourn will be blessed. Now, the Greek for this is um, something that I don't know, but I rely on other people to tell me. The Greek word which is translated blessed means, according to Strong's Concordance, receiving God's favour, also fortunate, good, happy, and feelings associated with receiving God's favour. That's what blessed means. That's quite good, isn't it? I quite like that. Receiving God's favour is also fortunate, good, happy, and feelings associated with receiving God's favour. I want to be blessed. So to say blessed are those that mourn would sound like a contradiction, wouldn't it? Because you don't feel that way when you mourn, do you? Yes, it is, until you read the last bit of the verse. Because verse 4 goes on to say that the one who mourns will be blessed. Because they shall be comforted. And that word comforted in this verse can mean encourage, Exalt, urge, and call. So, whatever you need, this word actually covers it. So, whatever you're going to come to God 
and mourn about, and I pray that we will all recognise the need for that, not necessarily the need to feel everything. We can't, we can't command our emotions, but we can command our frame. And we can say, I'm going in there to mourn and to tell God what it's really like. Even though I don't feel it, maybe, I'm going to tell him that I don't feel it. And I'm going to mourn about that instead, first of all. And then, as I mourn about that, I'm going to tell him the reason I've come to him. And I'm going to bring that to him as well. And the, and the thing here is that Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Depends what I need. I might need encouragement. I might need to be exalted to do something. I might need to be urged to get in line. I might need to be called to a particular work or ministry. Whatever that is, the Lord can meet that need. He can do it. So the Lord covers a range, a very big range, in that particular verse. Maybe, or it could be, that you feel that you're lacking in certain spiritual areas. Don't let the enemy have it all his own way. You know, the enemy wants to disable us spiritually, doesn't he? So that we are down and ineffective. Mourn over the lack of our concern to the Lord. Don't mourn to the enemy. The enemy wants you to mourn to him. Because if you go around mourning, oh, mourn, oh, this is terrible, I'm a right washout, I've had it, this is it. That's just what the enemy wants. You're playing his game then, aren't you? When what the Lord wants to do is to give you comfort. Once you start feeling sorry for yourself, you're on the slippery slope. So if we, if we get down and we, we mess up and we're under the cosh because we've done something wrong, the last thing we want to do is start listening to Satan. We want to start listening to the Lord. We want to start recognising that he is the only way through. So we take our problems to him. We take our mourning to him about the way we are. Now, I know this sounds a bit, uh, maybe a bit negative, but the point is, if we get rid of the negativity in our lives, we're going to have a much closer walk with the Lord, aren't we? And that's, uh, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what we want. You see, we can get under condemnation when really what the Lord wants to do is to comfort us. He doesn't say, oh, there, there, don't worry, everything's all right. He doesn't do that. He will supply the need that we have, the answer to that need. 
I'm not necessarily talking here about overt sin, though of course that in includes that as well. I'm talking about some lack that we might feel in our approach to God. Maybe we're not as thankful as we, as we would like to be, or we feel we should be. Some lack. Maybe it's a lack of devotion. Do you ever get a lack of devotion in your life? A lack that worries you. The enemy will be on your back saying, oh, you, you know, look at you. Your prayers are going nowhere today. They're not even getting beyond the ceiling. But as someone used to say, yes, but the Lord's under the ceiling with you. And the important thing, and it's vitally important, that we get ourselves away to God and be real with him. Let's not pretend when we can be real with the Lord. And if something, if it is something that worries you, don't argue with the devil about it. Take it to the Lord and mourn over it. Give it to him. He knows all about it anyway. And we don't want to excuse ourselves, do we? Because the Lord loves us he wants us to get right with him daily. Do you go to him every day? Do you, do you seek him every day? Do you really want to know him every day? Because every day is a new day. And we're only given life in 24-hour spans. So we've got to recognise that every day is a new challenge. A new challenge to be close to the Lord. A new challenge to be near to God. Take it to the Lord. Mourn over it. He knows all about it. While you're talking to the Lord about it, you're not talking to the enemy, are you? And because he knows your attitude is right and you're mourning and not moaning, I'm quite an expert at moaning. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe I'm not alone. Maybe there are one or two others who, who are good at moaning. Really, I need to get good at mourning. It's better to mourn than to moan. Don't get in a habit of moaning about your situation. You see, the, the problem is that's a natural reaction. If things go wrong, the natural reaction is to moan about it. But we're not supposed to react naturally because we have a living Lord and he's living within us. Do we believe it? If he's living within us, Lord, I'm sorry about my moaning today. I'm really a nuisance to you today, Lord. Please cleanse me. I don't want to live like this. I know that the, the Holy Spirit is living within me and he wants to praise the Lord. He wants me to praise the Lord and he wants me to give thanks you know, give thanks in all circumstances for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, that's easily said. It's not so easily done, is it? 
someone comes in and messes you up and you, you've got to start saying, thank you, Lord. Not so good. I remember Alex Buchanan talking once about a chap in a, I think it was a Bible school or something he was with. And um, this chap said he'd not sinned for yonks. He's one of these people who believe in sinless perfection, see. He'd not sinned for a long, long time. So Alex said, oh, is that true? He said, yes, I've not sinned for a long time. So Alex was wearing fairly heavy gardening shoes and the other chap just had a very light pair of shoes on, so he trod on his toe. Not the most, perhaps, best way of dealing with the situation. But he said, you should have heard the, the, uh, the effect that it had on this man's life. Certainly showed that he hadn't been living a pure life forever. And this is the thing, we, we, are, we are not going to live a perfect life. So we need to come to God. And we need to get our hearts right with God, don't we? All the time. It's not enough just to say, oh, I was saved, whatever it was, however many years ago. Because he's the saviour today. He was the saviour when you got saved, but he's the saviour today. We've got to make sure we live daily with the Lord. So while you're talking to the Lord about your things, you're not in being involved with the enemy. And your attitude is right. So how does the enemy get to you? What, what, are, what are his methods of getting to you? You know, we, we talk a lot about the flesh, or we talk a lot about the devil. But we need to realise that both of those are our enemies. And they're in cahoots. My flesh is all for going the devil's way. The devil knows about my flesh and so he's, he, he's willing to you know, put things before me that are going to entice me in ways that he knows uh, I can be led in. So I've got to watch out. Because my life is not now lived in the flesh. It's got to be lived in the spirit. Or he might, you know, supposing you, you know, you're, you're, you're going along quite nice. And then the, the, the enemy will whisper. If you trusted the Lord a little bit more, you wouldn't be in this situation now. Or, or if you were really right with the God, with the Lord, you wouldn't be thinking negative thoughts. Have you ever had little thoughts like that come into your mind? All the time, he's making you think that you're the originator of these ideas. You see? And if he can get that, if he can make you think that you're thinking it, then he's won a, a complete battle. Because then you get down. You know, oh, what a miserable person I am. What a miserable 
example I am, what a, what a rubbish I am. And it's, that, is, that is right. You've got to say, yeah, that's right. I am like that. But Christ is not like that. And he's living inside. So I've got a power inside of me, really, that, that should be bursting through all that rubbish. But you see, I'm believing that it's me. I'm, I'm being fooled by the devil. Because once you start thinking, once you start thinking it's yourself, you're in, you're in trouble then. You'll say, how about your devotional times? Does the devil ever get in your devotional times? What about when you're reading scripture? Does the devil ever get to you when you're reading scripture? Now, we, we, think, we think, well, we, you know, you're talking a lot about the devil and all that sort of stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, John Bunyan had some big battles with the devil in his personal Christian life. And so if he's going to have problems, it's not surprising that we have problems at times, is it? But if we, if we don't face it head on, if we don't sort of recognise where it's coming from, we're going to be caught up in it. So... Once you start believing these things, once you start believing that it's your mind that is constructing the questions, you're in for a rough ride in your quiet time. You're reading the Bible, and it goes down there, oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's funny. It doesn't say that over there. That's strange. I wonder why that is. I better go and have a look at concordance about this. Over there. Or it may be looking at uh, what someone has written about it. I'll go and examine this and find out about it. It's rubbish. Absolute nonsense that is, because that is the enemy getting at you. The Bible says it. What we need to do is to pray. Lord, show me the answer to this. How do these things fit together? And then when you're doing that, it's amazing how he'll, how he'll come on and show you how things fit together. And he'll probably point you to a scripture sometime during the day or the following day showing you how these things come together. Have you done that? Or he'll say to you, oh, why is it, why do you, when you're looking at that, think about this? Or why, do you, why does that happen when you're doing this? There's all these questions that you get if you're not careful. And I'm being sort of exaggerating slightly. But we need to get to the point where we know where we're going and how the Lord can do it. thing is, don't accept the devil's word. Trust the Lord. Now trust, you say, well, trust the Lord. How do you say you're going to trust the Lord when you're in a situation where you've got two scriptures and you're trying to sort it out? Well, trust the Lord. Trust is a matter of choice, not a matter of feeling. You trust the Lord when you go to the dentist, don't you? Well, you have to really, don't you? 
You trust the Lord when you're when you're on a train or anything, you trust the Lord. So it's a matter of choice. So if I'm gonna say I'm gonna say, look, okay, I don't I don't quite fully understand this verse at the moment, I'm gonna trust the Lord on that. He's gonna give me the answer. He's gonna show me. I don't need to worry about it. God's put it there. God says it, it must be okay. If it's not okay, then it's me. I'm not okay. If I think uh, there's something wrong with that scripture, then I'm going to shoot myself in the foot because I'm going to have a problem with the Lord himself. So in truth, all these things are not... They're the voice of the enemy, not our own mind. He uses our mind. He constructs thoughts in our mind so that we think it's us, but really it's him. And so we need to come to God and mourn these things. Well, how can we know it's the enemy? You might say, how do you know it is? Because it happened to the Lord himself, didn't it? If you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, don't you think that was a temptation? He, he'd been fasting for 40 days. And the enemy comes to him, you know, there's a stone down there. If you're really the son of God, you can make that into bread. Well, we know he can make it into bread because he, did, he just made it out of uh, nothing, didn't he, virtually? Five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000, so he could have easily done it. What did he answer? What did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone. Quoting Deuteronomy 8. And uh, the devil, as Spurgeon points out, the devil loves the ifs. If this, if that, if the other. If that doesn't go right, you're in trouble. Supposing your car goes wrong. If that noise is a problem, there's something wrong with your car. Are you going to make the journey? Who's doing that? Well, it's not the Lord. It's the devil. And his ifs are decidedly iffy, aren't they? <laughs> Don't take the condemnation of the enemy. Take the matter to the Lord. Lord, I've been led right up the garden path this morning. It's grievous to me, Lord, and I'm so sorry. You mourn over it. And what does he do in response? Well, he certainly doesn't tell you that you're a washout. <coughs> Even though you may feel it. He says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
You know, these, these thoughts and things, we don't have to accept them. There's an old, I think it's an oriental saying, isn't it, that says uh, you can stop a bird flying overhead, but you can't, um, well, you, <laughs> you can't stop a bird flying overhead, but you can stop it making a nest in your hair. Mind you, you'd have a problem with my hair. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know the, 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 the thing is saying, look, you, you, these things are going to happen, but you don't have to take them on board. You don't have to receive it. So take it to the Lord. I mean, I, a few weeks ago, this happened to me. And I experienced it for myself. The enemy was having a go at me about some flaw in my spiritual makeup. That wasn't very hard for the enemy. Plenty of those. And I've been meditating recently on Matthew 5, 4. And the thought came to me, well, since you're a bit stressed out, you better put into practice what you've been meditating about. So I went in and mourned before the Lord about the mess I was in. And in fact, the Lord dealt with it so finally that I can't even remember what it was now. One thing I do remember was that I, I had a wonderful quiet time that morning. Once I'd sort of just taken it to the Lord and been real with him. Marvellous quiet time. You know, it wasn't an obvious sin. We've got to, we need to take our, our sins to the Lord, of course. And we've got 1 John 1 9, haven't we, to help us in that respect. But this is one of those flaws, you know. And uh, it's like the little foxes I'm talking about. The flaws in our little foxes that are mentioned in Song of Solomon that spoil the vines. There's plenty of those. And they creep in. The enemy will bring those in. He knows how to play your organ, as it were. He knows your weak spots. He knows he made, he's made a study on your flesh life. Whoever's been assigned to you, whichever demon's been assigned, he's... he's He's made a study on your flesh. Like he knows how to play you. He knows exactly where to put his fingers, what, what, what chords to play that's going to strike up trouble in your life. Haven't you noticed that when you, when you get blessed, very often the enemy will come in with some plonk you with something. That's because he knows you. And that's where we've got to be really on guard. And I need to be on guard. Anyone who's married needs to be on guard. <laughs> I tell you, the enemy, he knows how to get to you. And he knows how to, the nuances in our, in our lives, you know, every little thing. Just put his finger on that. And he'll say, well, if you say this to her, and then, and then you've said it, 
And you think, oh, that was the wrong thing to say. But there's no way back then. <laughs> you said it, you see. You've let go. You, you've done it. It's come out. And you just had a wonderful quiet time. <laughs> I said, oh, what a mess. Cool. Why did that happen? Lord, why did you allow that to happen? Lord, you know I've had a good quiet time. Well, who gave it to you, son? Well, it's so important, isn't it, to, to make sure to make sure that we keep short accounts with God and that when we get bludgeoned or when he lays a, a landmine for us, that we get back to God as quickly as possible. That we mourn before God and not to ourselves. You know what's going to happen, what would happen to me? I think, oh, fancy me saying that. That's messed up the day. That's messed it up. And I, and I start getting fed up because the day's been messed up now. Fancy saying that. Lord, why didn't you protect me? You know, get all self-righteous, you see. Why did I have to say that? Because the enemy knows me. He knows my weaknesses and he knows my flesh. And he, he lives off my flesh. He loves it. I've got to see it crucified. And that's why it happens. Because he knows, the Lord knows it has to be crucified. He, ne he needs to let me know that I'm still alive in the wrong way. I need to die to all that and live in the power of Christ. That's where we want to come from. That's why it's good to mourn to the Lord and not mourn to your own self and think, oh, what a mess. I'm in here. So you mourn and don't moan. Because the little foxes will get you. But where's the power found in this verse? Where do we get it from? In order to, to receive what God wants for us. Blessed are they that mourn. Now, first thing is, if you mourn, the Lord says, blessed, you're going to be blessed if you do it properly. Because you're going to be comforted. And, it, and the comfort may not be just what you want because it may be a prod. Come on, get on with it. Stop moaning and get on with your life, you know? You need that sometimes. Comfort is not always, ah, oh, there, there, it's okay. I know you didn't mean it, son. The Lord doesn't talk like that necessarily at all. He will say, look, there's this here, get on with your life. I am your life. Thank you, Lord. You're my life. There's only one qualification here, isn't there? And that is that we, that we do mourn. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I know they're going to be comforted in the hereafter. But Lord, I don't want to wait till the hereafter before I get comforted. I need it now. Well, mourn. 
It's important to remember ourselves that we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. So just to finish, I'm going to read those verses from 1 John. If we say that we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Take it to heart. Let it be our prayer this week. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, that's with him, and also with our brothers and sisters. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. May it be our portion. Amen.